0: Capscorner.com podcast, CapSCorner.com, your source it's for Virginia sports. sports I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 19th, as we record this show. Virginia two-and-one on the season after a um, compelling uh, forty-five to thirty-one win over Ohio on Saturday in Nashville it was an interesting game for a variety of reasons, which we will obviously be getting into before we preview. Uh, their uh, team's ACC opener on Saturday afternoon um, uh, against Louisville. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm good, Brad. I'm just trying to figure out how. Like almost 300 episodes in, it gets harder every week to get it right. So, who Dave's on the board at? Who Dave's on Twitter?
0: Yeah, Dave is, uh, Dave's Dave's uh, sound card or something died in his laptop. It was lots of fun. Ferber and I basically just talked about basketball recruiting um, for 10 minutes while we waited for him to join. Uh, Speaking of, Justin Ferber up in Arlington. He is also on the show. How are you, my friend?
2: I'm good. No technology issues so far, but we'll see how far we can get into this thing. Um, At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. This is a real podcast.
0: (laughs) Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. I got stuck there a second ago. I didn't know whether to say my friend or buddy, and and I sort of did both. And that's the second time this week that I've like completely like had a brain fart in the middle of actually saying something on a recording and or a broadcast. I definitely did it on the radio the other day. I wrote. I don't know why I just said – I don't know why I just told you all that. I felt like I needed to atone for that sin, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So Virginia goes out to Nashville for a quote-unquote home game, wears the home blues, and, and gets a win. Three one-play drives and a six-offensive play um, group. Um, first time in the school's history they've ever done that. Um, they've only ever had two um, Once I think In 1990 um, That team scored a lot of points uh, I'm pretty sure that Dave is the reason Virginia did not have a better offensive show In the second half because he asked When the last time was Virginia scored 50 um, And then he also asked when was the last time Virginia <laughs> scored 60 um, So we did a lot of research um, And I actually wrote down numbers and such But we're not going to talk about that um, What Dave, we'll start with you. What were some of your takeaways coming out of this game, and do you think Virginia's offensive success was fool's gold?
1: Well, we're 2-1. We're and one. You know, got to win. I, I don't think you should trivialize, like, the craziness that was going to Nashville to play that game. Um, and you know, we will, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the midsection of the game there, that seven crazy minutes. But overall – You know, the team kind of dealt with the adversity and went out and did what they were supposed to do. You know, the first two plays, they, other than the kickoff, you know, they pretty much forced a fumble and scored a touchdown. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, Anytime you're talking about something that happens, whether, especially offensively, anytime your reference point is 1990, that's a good thing. Um, So I do think the offense, the reason I don't think it's fool's goal with the offense is it was different than we saw against Richmond. You know, Richmond was a lot, little, a lot more rush oriented. This was a lot more pass oriented, and, you know, with run. Um, and Bryce didn't really run at all. So it, it was, Bryce showing you can pass the ball. Now, granted, he wasn't didn't have a whole lot of pressure on a lot of those passes, um, and he threw into a lot of single coverage. But that's what you're going to get when you're running back because hundred plus, and your quarterback has you know, legit take it all the way speed. So, but you know, so it definitely wasn't completely full's goal, but it, it is Ohio. So Ohio's defense is pretty bad. And we saw that, um, overall not harping on the seven, eight minutes there in the middle. It was given the circumstances. I was pretty happy with winning the game and scoring 38 points and a half is pretty outstanding.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I think, Ferber, to, to Dave's point about uh, Bryce not running basically at all, I was told by one offensive coordinator, Robert and I, that they had to do whatever they had to do to win, and then several days later for them to roll out a drastically different game plan was very interesting to me. What did you make of Bryce not having to run as much, and, and do you think that this, maybe not necessarily the, the height of the, the offensive, the gaudy stats, of, you know, uh, do you, it, even though maybe that's not sustainable, do you think Bryce throwing the ball is this sustainable?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, and I was trying to do what they needed to do to win, or what they thought would give them the best chance to win. I honestly, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot last week, but um, you know, we kind of tried to project what UVA would do on the ground against Ohio after they played only one game uh, prior to playing UVA. Um, and we didn't really talk too much about them throwing the ball because they really didn't throw the ball well at all against Indiana or, or didn't even really make attempts to throw it too much. But Howard basically shredded Ohio through the air. Um, they're a pass-heavy team, though. And I think what UVA saw on film was we can, we can beat this team up, you know, with passing. Um, it's not necessarily something we've seen yet, so I think it was good to see and it kind of answers some of those questions that we had about you know, how well they could play if they had to be a pass heavy or pass first offense, whether by choice or by necessity, right? Um so I think that they kinda took advantage of Ohio's weaknesses, which is a promising the thing to see that they could just game plan for an opponent, find what they're not good at or what they're not, you know, best at and, and try to take advantage of those things. Um and I think that they did a pretty good job with that. I think Bryce not running was was partially because they didn't really need him to. Um, you know, they just were able to kind of pick them apart through the air, and once they had those first couple of drives where they were able to score really quick, they kind of saw, you know, okay, this is how we can sustain drives throughout the game. The one thing that I will say, I don't want to say it's not sustainable necessarily, but I think sometimes when you look at the passing numbers that UVA put up um, – you might just think that they were just airing it out, throwing it all around. But I mean, there were tons of yards after the catch. Um, I mean, Zacchaeus, I don't know how many yards he had after the catch. He had 247 yards or whatever it was. And at least half of them were after the catch. Um,
0: 176. Right.
2: Yeah. I was going to say probably two thirds or three fourths um, of the yards were after the catch. So, against faster defenses and defensive backs, you're not going to be able to do that. I mean, you're not going to be able to run away from everybody, but um, I do think that, I mean, if instead of a 75-yard touchdown, it's a 30-yard gain, I mean, that still could be a lot, you know, a huge win for the offense, but um, I'm not sure they'll face a secondary as unathletic as Ohio was until maybe Liberty, but um, it it was promising to see them not just have to, like, ground and pound to win. They were able to, I mean, and they did run the ball effectively, but it was cool to see them be able to go out and and put the ball in Bryce's hands and let him kind of do his thing.
0: What I found super interesting too, honestly was the way that, um, the way that Virginia scored so many points early, right? You, you weren't going to be able to just like park it. You know what? I, I remember one of you guys joking about taking knees in like the in like the first quarter, but like, you weren't going to be able to just park it and, and just hang out on on the you know on a park bench. You know what I mean. You weren't going to be able to just watch the rest of the game. Like you had to actually continue to play it, and so you, the calculus shifts. Right, you go from, um, hey, here's a um, here's a game we need to score points. Now we've scored a bunch of points. It it feels like you shouldn't throw the ball. It feels like you should still run it it's almost like the reverse right you felt like Ohio had to start throwing because it, it wasn't gonna work if the Bobcat just wanted to try to run the ball and do his normal their, their normal grinded out on the ground kind of thing conversely Virginia couldn't risk you know what I mean like that play early you know late in the second uh, quarter just before halftime sort of showed like they, they you didn't want to like get out of your get out of what you wanted to do um and start you know just Trying to be something you weren't, right? You were having success because you were hitting big plays, but you're kind of hitting those big plays because you're just better. You couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like they had to continue to throw the ball some, they had to continue to run the ball effectively. I thought it's interesting in that kind of game when you have that much time, those decisions sort of get made for you. Like you're not going to continue to throw the ball as much as maybe you wanted to. You're going to have to run it more um, just because it feels counterproductive to try to take that many risks. Um, so I think it was interesting to me watching them in the second half try to figure out how to hold a lead. Because um, I mean, let's be honest, this is not a team that had to, has had to hold many leads. You know, they're not a team that has ever you know been up that that big with any real consistency. So the fact that they had to still get that third down stop, and then they, the offense had to get on the field and, and make some plays, uh, I thought was actually a really good thing. Um, it was, it was, it was like they were able to learn a lesson, right? And 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 take a step forward in a game that was, like, not quite yet close. It it was tighter than it should have been, but it wasn't – I mean, it was never under 10 um, in the second half. So, I mean, it just kind of felt like to me it was a good place for them to learn a lesson and and be able to come through. Um, Defensively, I thought, you know, Richard Burney had the best grade of anybody on that side of the ball overall, and I was really impressed by that. And if Virginia continues to have that sort of effort from him – um, I think that's a very good sign for the Cavaliers, Dave. What were some of your takeaways on the defensive side of the ball? I mean,
1: the defense has gotten you know, had had a weird year, right? I mean, they were up big on Richmond. You know, the, the team was up big on Richmond. The team was up big on Ohio. So, you know, you're getting a pretty much pretty one dimensional attack when you're up. You know, when when the other team's down a couple of scores, so. I still, the secondary has given up some big plays, but I don't think that's an indictment of them not being as good as we thought they were. I think it's just volume. You know, you're going to give up plays um, when guys are throwing as much as they are. That said, you know, the concern we had with the defense entering the season remains the concern I have. It's the defensive line is getting better, but the defensive line is not good enough without run blitzes or some extraordinary development of, of talent on the roster in the next few weeks, they're still not able to stop a team that wants to run the ball up the middle. So, you know, I think as I was going to kind of talk about, when we get to Louisville, a lot of this team's success is going to be dependent on the offense producing, like we've seen in the two wins, you know, forcing the, the opponent to become a little more one dimensional. Cause you even saw it against Ohio once Ohio got in the red zone, decided to run it up the middle, we couldn't even stop them, you know, with regularity. So that's a concern. I I don't know that Dylan Thompson starting to get snaps is going to be the answer. Um, But, you know, Redman starting to play better. Bernie's playing better. Handback is struggling a little bit. I don't know if that's because he's outside, Um, but I do like what we're seeing from the linebackers. Like, you know, Snowden is starting to develop into a force and pieces What you know, is a very good player. And then, I kind of like the look we got this week with with at out out you know next to uh with next to Jordan. That's not a whole lot of you know Micah Kaiser size in there, but that's a lot of speed and versatility. And I kind of like the attitude Zane brings. Um, so overall, I've been pretty pleased with the defense, barring that seven crazy minutes. And even then, most of the fields they gave up touchdowns on were short. So. There's room for improvement, but it's nothing to say. Hey, that's the reason we're going to lose a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm gonna be honest. Virginia doing that thing where they take a, have a big lead and all of a sudden it's tight. That is definitely not my jam. All right, because as somebody who uh, has to deal with you know a message board uh, full of folks who are ready to just jump off a cliff, um, that that's not that's not the look uh, that that I need Virginia to put out there. Forever, I, I agreed with Dave's point, and I was going to make the point as he was making it. I was thinking it. That I wanted to make sure I, uh, I put it out there I think that Without pressure this defense is very Susceptible right um, It seems like to me without You know Charles Snowden generating a lot of pressure uh, It doesn't seem like to me That Chris Peace is having as much Of an impact I, I think teams Are doing something a little different with him uh, To try to keep him out of the backfield What's your sort of diagnosis for What ails this defense And is there anything really ailing this defense Right now
2: yeah, I mean I guess it's gonna be kind of opponent dependent on like what areas, you know, you kind of struggle with, but um I think Dave's right. I think the defensive line is at best average, right? I mean I think that's just what they are. I mean they just because there's not a lot of talent there. I mean, not a lot of talent that has played a lot of games, right? Um, I think there's some young guys that are promising and Eli is is solid, but um I don't know if they have enough rotational pieces to sustain against a higher level offensive line or a better running attack. Um, like Dave said, without extra help from the linebackers, which obviously helps or hurts you in the past game, the play action game hurts you against mobile quarterbacks. Um, if you can't you know, designate one of those guys to, to stay with them. Um, We'll see how that plays out over the course of the season. Dave's right. In the red zone, Ohio did pretty well with the run, but, I mean, they got stuffed a lot in the middle of the field, um, especially on big downs where they needed to convert. Um, the passing defense I am a little concerned about just because it seems like Dave mentioned the volume thing. I think the it's interesting with the volume thing. It seems like, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, when teams take deeper shots down the field, they're converting them more than they are around the line of scrimmage. Um, And maybe that's just because those plays are more memorable, but Indiana hit a couple of deeper passes. Um, Richmond didn't really have a ton of success with that. But um, Ohio, I mean, they hit UVA for a play right after the fumble, and then they hit him for another one for a touchdown, and then right after the onside kick, they did the same thing, basically, um, deep down the field. Tim Harris, in particular, I think has had a pretty rough start to the season, uh, which is disappointing, considering how much he's had to overcome to get back on the field. But, um, I mean, in this game, he got targeted, I think, three times, and two of them went for big gains. Uh, and then the other one was a – the receiver was open and just dropped it for a first down. So, yeah. Um, that, I mean, I think that they'll have to continue to have Darius Bratton in there more um, and then use Tim when they have to, but hopefully he can get it going. Um, and then Juan Thornhill, I mean, who's, who's one of your best defensive backs, got beat for two touchdowns this week. So um, Ohio has a couple of decent receivers, so I'm not trying to say they don't have any talent there, but obviously they're going to have to step their game up uh, real soon because Louisville's wide receivers might be the best that they face all year. Um, and I don't know, maybe I, I'd have to go back and look at the plays. I'm not exactly sure if some of those completions are due to just having too much time back there um, because there's no pressure or if it's some combination of you know forces in the secondary or, or just not quite clicking or something like that. But um, I, obviously all that stuff needs to get sorted out before you play better offenses, especially passing offenses.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I do. I think that's a perfect segue for us to get to uh, to the Louisville game. But I want to uh, take our first break before we do that. The Cats of Corner podcast is brought to you again tonight by Ask Landis, the company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Uh, having served Central Virginia for the past decade, Ask Landis and owner Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear out things from their homes and their businesses. As well as providing a turnkey solution for those who just need a little help from moving from point A to point B. I talked to you last week about my, you know, when 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 I moved my grandmother out of uh, her home and into an assisted living uh, facility. You know, we could have really used somebody like uh, like Stephen and Brandon to come help us out because uh, we were completely in over our heads. Um, so maybe you're getting ready to put your house on the market. Maybe you need some help cleaning out something for a family member for yourself. Maybe you've been putting it off uh, for a long time. Um, whatever that case may be, let them. Uh, do the work for you, and try to help declutter your life. You can give them a call today, 434-249-8383, or you can visit com for more. Again, our thanks to Ask Landis for their support of this show and all of com. All right, so Louisville comes to town, and I'm already – I don't want to jump ahead to the prediction portion of the podcast because I looked at my number a little while ago, and I actually thought Louisville was winning this game 17-13, to and I, I want to go back and punch uh, past Brad because past Brad deserves to get punched. Um but I want to open up this discussion like this. It seems like to me that Virginia is for a change. the team that kind of has its stuff together, right It seems like the Cavaliers have an identity on offense they have an identity on defense. you know maybe they they are still trying to figure out what the kicking situation is. but I don't feel like Virginia has a lot of question marks. maybe if you want to count week to week consistency and and uh, in terms of execution a question mark but I don't feel like there are a lot of unknowns with UVA. I look at Louisville, and I see a team that is still in transition on defense, obviously trying to replace a legend on offense. I feel like UVA goes into this game uh, as a team with its stuff together, and I feel like maybe that's a reason why the Cavaliers go in as a favorite to open ACC play. Dave, what do you make of Louisville, and how do you feel about this game? Well, hold off on the prediction part, but talk to me a little bit about yeah. how you feel about this game going in.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm torn, man. Like Louisville is a scary team. Like they seem like a team. To me. they've got all the they've got a lot of talent. I mean, there's a lot of speed. There's a lot of athleticism. There's a lot of size. Um, I mean, on paper, they probably they have a more talent than Virginia. You, you know, even despite the struggles they're they've had so far in the season. Um, anytime one of your first few games is against Alabama, your number, your statistics are going to be skewed, and maybe, maybe a lot of things are are going to be hard to examine from a numerical statistical. Um, standpoint but I was able to watch uh, the second half of the game against Western Kentucky the other night I think they have their quarterback Cunningham is a load if you haven't watched this kid play like he is fast Um, he's not a polished passer yet but kind of like we talked about with Bryce you know the last few weeks if you're able to beat someone with your feet that bad you're going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage to throw into and he should have had more passing yards than he did last week. His receiver dropped a wide on football, five yards behind the, the DB. Um, they're a little weak outside of Becton on the offensive line, some youth there. And defensively, they're still kind of, you know, that hasn't been Louisville's forte. I'm not sure. After watching them play, it, it's hard to see. Just what I saw with my eyes throwing stats out, they've got some pieces there. Um and maybe I'm wrong. I know Justin said he watched the condensed game t- or the game two. Um, I think you said the condensed version. Not that not doing anything wrong with that. But um, what I saw watching them was a team that's got a lot of talent and is just lacking leadership. Um, you know, when you, when you got a guy like Lamar Jackson, who was the soul of that team for a couple of years, it's not surprising to see a kind of a drop off in, in leadership when he disappears. I don't think they've got their stuff together yet, and I think virginia is is co- a cohesive unit. That's why I, I do like the matchup. But at the same time, if Louisville clicks, they've got all the talent in the world,
0: yeah, I would agree with that. Offensively, uh, Cunningham is a very uh, a very good player, Not obviously experienced, clearly going to have um, you know a lot on his plate this weekend as a starter and and everything that goes with it. Um, and he does have – I mean, look, if you're going to be a guy who is going to start his first game in, in ACC play, uh, it's good to have those wide receivers. I mean, Jalen Smith is very, very good. Uh, Seth Dawkins, six three two eighteen. 218. Des Fitzpatrick, 6'2", 202. I mean, that's a good group. I, I'm not really sure – maybe they think Day Williams is the guy, but he was still not listed as the starter, and they have six guys listed on their two deep at running back, which I would imagine is the yeah. biggest committee of all committees. Ferber, when you look at what – what Louisville has to do to win this game. What are some of the keys for the, for the cards? You don't have to spoil the, 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 the preview, but just in terms of if you're Louisville and you, and you need to win this game, what do you have to do to, to get that done? Yeah. Uh,
2: before we get into that, I do want to say real quick, their depth chart is kind of, I don't think they really updated that much. Um, Cause Trey Smith, the dude who's listed as starting running back has been hurt for three weeks. So, and then they still have passes as a starting quarterback. So yeah. Um, I think honestly for Louisville, If Malik Cunningham can have some success with his legs, I think that that could kind of open things up a little bit for him and allow him to make easier throws, and that would be a recipe for them to win the game. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he can't throw. Um, I, I thought he looked okay throwing the ball. I think that he was a little inaccurate on some of the balls that I saw, which is pretty um common for a a, a freshman uh, dave talked about the one that was wide open that that's right but he also threw a screen pass that was like either should have been picked off or was like five yards behind the guy i can't remember exactly what happened um and kind of got away with the turnover there western kentucky should have won that game um i mean they they had it they were they were on the goal line a bunch of times and couldn't score and had a field goal blocked and obviously missed the field goal at the end that would have tied the game and just didn't take advantage of their opportunities. And they're not a very good team and have their backup quarterback playing because their starters hurt. But um, I think that if Cunningham can get the ball rolling with his legs and kind of get UVA's defense off balance and force them to, you know, designate a a couple of players to him to make sure that he can't get loose for huge gains, um, then – I think that that can kind of open up their running game, which their offensive line started off really rough. Obviously they played Alabama um, and they've made some changes. It seems like some personnel changes up front and it seems like they're kind of coming together a little bit, or at least that's how uh, coach Petrino described it this week. Uh, Like that, you know, they were starting to kind of get their footing. Um, So if they can run the ball a little bit better with Cunningham, maybe that opens things up for the running backs and, and the short passing game that I think Cunningham would need to, utilized to win um and then on the other side of the ball they're just gonna have to be a much better defensive team than they have been at times this year and then uh also much better than ohio was last week um i think that you know right now they're dealing with a bunch of injuries they do like dave said they, they have talent um they're missing their best defensive lineman a linebacker a couple other guys that are role players um i think they had a linebacker suffer a pretty significant injury last week that so he'll be out uh, for a little while. Um and I you know, I think there's some opportunities for UVA to have another big day, but if Louisville can kind of get out to a lead and, and keep them off balance with the dual threat quarterback and then, you know, make some timely stops when they need to, maybe force a couple turnovers. UVA um, UVA's taken pretty good care of the ball this year. Um you know, maybe they can they can shake things up
0: that way. Um one one fun part about ACC player there's always a there's always a, a handful of times during the season where you where I look down at a depth chart and go oh yeah UVA recruited him so at nose tackle Louisville's going to start Gigi Robinson who was a uh, somewhat prominent UVA recruit several years ago and not only obviously you know Makai Becton the six seven three fifty five six seven three fifty five that is just a large amount of humanity that's a girthy big dude um, your Cole Bentley 6'3", 316. Yeah. like. That's he a, plays. Yeah, I mean, like and like basically, Louisville's starting two dudes on the offensive line that Virginia wanted. Um, so when you if you want to talk about Louisville's offensive line, there you go. Um,
2: and Beckton has a rushing touchdown this year.
0: Yeah, that, that's crazy to me. Um, maybe I maybe I maybe that's why I I, I thought Louisville would win um, several weeks back. <laughs> They're going to run Makai Beckton. Um, I wouldn't be surprised honestly to see him get a carry in this game, considering you know uh, the the Virginia ankle. But all right, Dave, let's start with you. In the preseason, you had Virginia win this thing 31-28. to 28. Do you think that that uh, is still the score you want to go with?
1: Now I'm going to change it a little bit. I'm going to go Virginia 35-28 to 28 because I'm not counting on a field goal. Yeah, I don't, yeah.
0: until Hunter Pearson comes out there and starts kicking him out, I'm not I'm, yeah. I'm with you.
1: Like, I don't even know, and not to get off topic, but it was something I was going to ask. Like, let's say it's 28-28 like it would have been in my prediction, and there's a 30-yard field goal late in the game. I still think he's going to AJ in that situation. So it's a lot of complication. To make my life easier, I'm going 35-28 Virginia. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if you're
2: having to figure out who to send out there for a 30-yard field goal, which is longer than an NFL extra point, um, I mean, you got at least to reevaluate the situation a little bit. Indeed. And he hasn't missed any extra points or anything this year, and I don't think he missed many last year, if any. But, um, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you know, you just got to like roll the dice on fourth and one, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes yeah. you might just have to do that because I think it's like a 50-50 shot right now.
0: If I'm reading it correctly, this week you actually did pick UVA to win 28-24, uh, as I incorrectly stated last week before I fixed myself. What do you feel like? Man, I'm going to
2: keep it. <laughs> okay. Just, just because just because of that. Yeah, we're going to go with it again. It worked last week, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, maybe you should read my prediction from the next game and then <laughs> I'll use that. Nah, I know they have I know I have them losing next week. So yeah, I was say, it's
0: like 35-21 next week.
2: Yeah, I mean when I saw the when the line came out, I wasn't surprised UVA was favored. I was a little surprised by the number. Um, Louisville just hasn't really shown much this year. Um, I, I could see Vegas not really believing in this team. I mean they're changing quarterbacks. The quarterback that they're playing has twelve career drives. Um And, you know, hasn't really done a whole lot with his arm to this point. So, I mean, that doesn't mean he can't do it. Um, It just, you know, it's an unproven thing. They're on the road. Uh, They got a bunch of guys banged up on defense. And then you look at their results. I mean, you don't learn anything from – you don't get anything from the Bama game. And then, uh, you know, that Indiana State game, if you look at the final score, you think that they blew them out. But it was – you know, seven to seven or something like deep into the second half before they finally got it going. And then they didn't score a touchdown against Western Kentucky, a terrible team, or at least they look like a terrible team so far, um, until the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot to be. If they're going to be good this year, they haven't been good yet, and they have to get good. Um, the way the UVA played last week, if they can replicate that again against Louisville's players, I think that they'd win, especially at home.
0: Like I said, I had it at 17-13 UVA. I don't think it's going to be that low scoring of a fair, and I, I am also not going to expect UVA to kick a field goal. They're going to have to kick like three or four in a row before I start you know, pick, picking uh, predictions that have um, those kinds of uh, things built in. Listen, I think Virginia's going to win the game, and I'll be honest. Like I'm on the fence about the margin. There are times when I think about this game and think Virginia's going to roll. Um, I, I don't know if that's just uh delusional mindset. Um, but it certainly seems like to me that Virginia, like I said before, is a team that kind of has its stuff together. I, I feel like Virginia going in expecting a guy who can really only run is going to be a really interesting test, um, especially because what Virginia has had to prepare for mostly this season has been guys who who want to run. So, um, you know, I, I, it's funny. I actually kind of like, um, uh, Ferber score Except I probably would say 28-21 Virginia um, Not I, I don't think that Louisville's offense Is going to be able to, to keep up with what Virginia's going to do um, offensively And maybe I'll look like an idiot But that's that's uh, that's what I'm going to say um, Anything else before we Turn to the fifth side of the ball Fellas, anything else on Louisville Before we move on Here Now that's
2: us? about it, they it? have a good kicker So that's, <laughs> that's nice
0: Well that's fun for them um, yeah, they have good receivers, so we'll <laughs> uh, see. Take our second quick break of the night, talk to you about um, second-string sports in Stewart's draft. Uh, second-string is all about offering you new and quality-used sports equipment, uh, so if you play baseball or maybe you have a kid who plays baseball, softball, football, soccer, second-string has the gear you need. Newest bats and gloves and gear from Marini, Louisville Slugger, Easton, Rawlings, Wilson, and Evo Shield are all on the shelves right now, um, ready to go home with you. So let's say you got something last season you don't need or maybe your kid isn't going to play that sport anymore and they've moved on to, to something else. You can take that stuff down to Second String and uh, and get a credit towards your next purchase. Uh, you can check out what Second String has to offer at their store just outside of Waynesboro, 2627, Stewart's Draft Highway, or you can go to their website right now. It's secondstringsports.com and second with a two. Uh, first String quality, first String service, Second String sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so fifth side of the ball, Ferber, we decided to go with this discussion that's kind of special teams oriented, right? So everybody saw the North Texas play, which I thought was brilliant, and I read the the SB Nation story about it, and I thought it was awesome. Um, That basically they had this this whole elaborate plan for how to run this thing. And then there was this, like, uh, after it was, you know, they ran it and it was amazing, um, there was this scuttlebutt that, like, the NCAA was going to, like, Make a make a, a quick rule change so that you couldn't do that so basically you couldn't feign uh, a, um, a, a a fair catch and pretend like you did it when you didn't um, and at the same time there's been a lot of conversation about the kickoff rule and whether it's doing any good for basically anybody so for I'll open it up to you where how, where do you come down on this should should teams be able to use the rules and what aren't maybe isn't spelled out in the rules to their advantage, and how do you feel about sort of this rush to be safe, especially when it comes to special teams?
2: Yeah, um, I kind of see both sides. I actually thought the play was awesome when I saw it the first time. Um, I, I also I think there should be some credit given to the coaches who, you know, they planned it out they knew they were going to do it and they went to the refs before the game and told them right so they didn't just say like oh well, we'll just have to see what happens they knew that the refs would probably be quick to blow the whistle on that so they actually went out of their way to say you know hey guys we have this trick play coming up um we're gonna run it just you know don't blow the whistle if you don't see the fair catch um so i mean i think that that was executed well but i do also understand the safety element to it where it's you know, you are risking a guy just getting completely blown up if the if the team doesn't see it. Because now, you know, gunners might be say hey, if I don't see a fair catch signal, like, see it, see it, then I'm going to just hit the guy, um, especially if I don't hear it whistle right away. So I think that there are some things to take into consideration there. And obviously, special teams is, you know, some of the most dangerous plays um, you'll see. I mean, that's why we have these new kickoff rules and the wedge rules and all that stuff, just to kind of you know, it's violent play. It's, you know, 11 guys running directly at 11 guys, right? So, I mean, I think that they have to take some of those things into consideration. Um, As far as like the gamesmanship element of it, I mean, I I don't have any more of a problem with that than, you know, cut blocking people and all the stuff that Georgia Tech does or stuff that other teams do. Um, You know, teams run trick plays all the time and obviously you have to be prepared for them, but um, I mean, there's a reason that they tell you to play through the whistle, and, and Arkansas's players didn't just not tackle him. I mean, they walked off the field. So, I mean, there there was no, like, it wasn't like they, you know, didn't have a chance. Um, but I get it. I mean, I understand the, the safety element of it for sure.
0: I guess there's some sort of, like, unspoken thing about um, that we all, like, we all want football to be entertaining, and I feel like there are a lot of instances now where, I mean, I'm not really sure if you're a defensive player what you're supposed to do because um, you can't like I'm watching the NFL on Sunday and like I have no idea what a defensive like you're only supposed to hit a guy if your head's up. But like if a guy gets low, what are you supposed to do? Just push him to the ground. You know, like I, I just don't understand what the expectation is for the defense. I've always thought that one of the things that 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 seemed sort of, I don't know, counterintuitive to me is that like in order to protect the head, we we, we tried to make the helmet. You know meteor right we, we tried to make it so that it was more solid but all we did was put was was give people a weapon um, on their heads that then they could use right and I and I'm not saying they need to go back to the days of like you know leather right I'm not saying like that that seems foolish but like it does seem like to me that that there are there are other options out there. I don't know that the kickoff rule has done any good because it seems like to me if you don't have a kicker who's going to kick it out of the end zone then everybody else is just going to kick it and let you try to return it. Um one they want they think that they can get to you first and the return team thinks like they got a Joe Reed, they feel like they can break one. Um and so at the end of the day it's it just feels like such a wash. I thought the North Texas play was amazing. It obviously will never get run again because no no special teams coordinator is going to let it happen. Um but I don't want to see the. I don't want to see more rules, um, to try to come in and, and tweak something or, or protect something that doesn't need tweaking or protecting. Dave, you were the one of the three of us who seemed most uh, concerned about this when you saw it over the weekend. How do you feel about it after you've had a few days to think? Do you still think it's an issue, and do you think that the NCAA should make a change here?
1: Yeah, look, I love football. I love the everything about the game. I think it's a wonderful game um i just like you watching nfl on sunday especially like i'm not a i'm a bears fan so the vikings and packers that game i I really didn't care who lost as long as one did um you know that clay matthews hit and that didn't happen yeah yeah (laughs) i still don't quite understand understand that um i think that calls us wrong like i think it was (laughs) bad yeah Um, but you know when when I saw that play for North Texas, what upset you know the reason I was I said I thought it was I can I thought it was kind of Bush League because look we're at a time in the game where you've got to be safe where you can be you know if you if you don't want them to over over flag hits in the middle of the field that's one argument but when it comes to something like fair catches and protecting a player. You, you can't be upset about that like you got to understand hey that's the place where we can be safe if, if we want to give us a little more leeway when there's violent contact as a running back comes across the middle a receiver does then you have to understand it, it at the areas where it's clear where you should let up you need to be more strict so look north texas they uh, they obviously talked to the officials beforehand and did everything by the book i mean you can argue that the I will argue that the returner did move his arms as he ran to the ball, like they were low in the NFL. That would have been a fair catch signal. Um, it wasn't in college ball, and everyone let up. Even, even in the NFL, if you just sit like that, you're giving yourself up. They blow the play dead, but the rest knew it was coming. So I actually put the my blame on that play on the officials when they were when they were approached with that play. The officials should have said, "Look, no, we're not, we're not doing that. You're not going to sit there and." What do you want us to do if he sits there and he gets absolutely destroyed?
0: Whoa, 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 whoa pause. Well, if he gets absolutely destroyed, that's the play. Like, that's the – like, what you're basically – you just said that, that if you were the officials that you wouldn't have said – what. so you want the officials to specifically and intentionally blow the whistle in a play that they know is still alive, right? Like, because what you just – what you basically just said is that the officials should have disregarded the actual rule – and and done and done. What no, was I quote, think quote, quote, I think. Look,
1: I, I think if you read the rules, he gave himself up. To me, like that play should have been blown dead. The official should have said, "Hey, if you did that, we're blowing the whistle." Because they just. He also, what, he, what's the
2: a, he should have won an Academy Award for the way that he acted. Yeah, he caught like that
0: perfect. thing and like did that little like thing with two he hands. He did that at the little ball, hop up and down you know? like he
1: was. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was he sold it. Very, yeah, I mean, and well. the whole team did. I mean, that, that's fine. It, it is what it is. What kind of blows my mind is that North Texas didn't need to pull that out to beat Arkansas. They, yeah, they could they have left that running. in the
0: bag. <laughs> well, it was early in the game, but you're right. I mean, look, yeah, Virginia I mean, Tech they, they, didn't need to pretend like they were hurt either.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, look, I, I just think at a time when when we're at argue, you know, we're upset about some of the safety rules, I, I think it's kind of you know incumbent upon the teams and the and the coaches and everyone else to say, hey, we understand the game's needs to be safer let's not skirt the rules to our advantage um and we you can argue that all day that's just kind of how i feel about it because i don't want to get to a point before i pass which um who knows how long that will be where, where football is not available anymore you know we're, we're starting to see it now so you know don't be cute for the sake of being cute if you need that to win a game you probably sh- you know whatever the, i don't want to have a 45 minute podcast argument. i always wondered why somebody didn't do it like some other time
2: but um yeah. The one thing I will agree with you on is, like, I don't see how, like, the Arkansas players, when they walk off the field, I don't really think that their coach has a leg to stand on as far as, like, yelling at them.
0: Yeah.
2: Because they probably said, like, hey, on these plays, don't hit him because you're going to get a 15-yard penalty. And, honestly, they care way more about that than – they're not going to say, like, for the safety of the returner, they're going to say, we don't want to pick a penalty up. So – they probably were like, "All right, well, you told us to not do anything, so we didn't do anything." And then he ran it back for a touchdown. Right. Um, now, I mean, I think the the one argument I will make though is that everybody assumes that the Arkansas player would just absolutely unload on the guy. He could just tackle him like a normal tackle. I mean, that's like nothing, he wouldn't pick up a penalty for it. <laughs> but if he, yeah, if he targets the guy, then he's getting thrown out of the game anyway.
0: So yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I do feel like
2: his yeah, standpoint.
0: I did feel bad for the guy because he apparently did say to the guy, why aren't they blowing the whistle? And, like, oh, that's so hard. Oh, I feel bad for him. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: the couple, if you watched the whole replay, I mean, a few of the guys that had kind of started walking away realized, like, once he took off, they were like, oh, okay. Yeah,
0: like, they were, been, they were done. We've
2: been tricked. We've been duped. Also, how has is, how is somebody never tried to do a fake knee? I've that's always true. wondered that because yeah. people do fake spikes, but, like, I never see anybody, like, go like they're going to take a knee and then take off running.
0: Or yeah. Usually,
1: if you're taking a knee, you're in the lead, right?
0: <laughs> so. Usually.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it could be like the end of the half or something. Yeah. Yeah. There was a high school game. Did you see that one? The, no. the kid like jumped through the defensive line and stole the ball from the center as he tried to give it to the quarterback. Oh, no. no. I don't oh, see why. that. I can't remember. It was on Twitter. They're going right? out
2: like a shotgun snap?
1: No, no. Like
0: this is compelling audio where we're describing things that only one of us has seen. This yeah. is always fun. Twitter search
1: it. <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> no, got, the guy the quarterback is under center, taking that, getting ready to take a knee, up ten seven, rolling at the clock, and the defensive lineman jumped the snap jumped over the center's back grabbed the ball before the quarterback got oh him. yeah now i will say
2: the stuff that like greg shiana was doing when he was with the bucks was yeah, a little yeah, that a was little, yeah. where he was, yeah, like was diving pushy. at the quarterback's legs yeah, trying yeah, to like get him much. fumble the ball yeah at, that after the much. game's over but yeah i mean yeah. i always wonder why somebody doesn't like take a step back like they're going to take a knee and then just like run the option or something with the running back i always wondered if maybe it was like an illegal formation issue or something but i don't know
0: yeah, Well, I think that's a good place to put a pen Dave, you, you did a very nice job of, of Advocating for your position without Turning it into a 45 minute long section Of the podcast um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show I uh, want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving Graciously their time as always If you are someone who found the show through the website um, Feel free to uh, Give us a review, it always helps You can do that with the Apple Podcast app uh, If you're on Android, you can pull up their podcast app um, Or you can Um you know, look at look on the websites for both of those. I, I would imagine there's some um, web links somewhere. Um, that always helps for folks to find us. If you are somebody who found the podcast but hasn't given us a look at the site, um, you know, feel free to do that. One, because I would appreciate it, and two, because you know, we got a lot of good content, a lot of good stuff. Not just about football. Obviously, it'd be some basketball recruiting stuff coming up, and plenty of stuff uh, to talk about as uh, as hoop season draws closer. But again, I want to thank. Dave and Ferber for their time, and thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. So for uh, Justin Ferber and David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.